Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Are we living in the end times? How does an ordinary person communicate with ghosts? Are, are space aliens really demons? Hello there and welcome to the 357th broadcast of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. And those many and varied questions came from my co-host and partner in the paranormal, my dad. So tonight's show will be an open line show in which we catch up on our ever-growing stack of emails, during which you are invited to call with questions or comments of your own. But first, as everyone knows, it's time for our weekly paranormal contest. So last week's question was, what is the word for a visible ghost or animated corpse that was believed to return from the grave to terrorize the living? Well, I mentioned last week that that was another trick question. Well, you all fell for it again, except for one listener, and that's Kathy Champagne of Webster, Mass., uh, who got the correct answer, revenant or revenant, a French word that loosely translated means uh, not a heck of a lot left. <laughs> Nothing left is attacking you. All right, so everyone else said vampire. I would have said zombie myself. Uh, I suppose you could say that the, that our revenants were vampires that didn't quite make it to becoming a vampire. So this week's question is, what kind of ghostly figure uh, supposedly haunts several government buildings in Washington, D.C. at the same time, uh, including the U.S. Capitol and the White House? So be sure to get that right and win a copy of the newest edition of Footsteps in the Attic, my dad's most popular book. Because that question might attract some pungent comments based on current politics, but try to be serious. Some people did say zombies to that, but that wasn't correct either. Anyway, uh, we do welcome callers this evening, and our phone numbers locally or from Canada, 401-766-1240, or from anywhere in the USA, 800-449-1240. Now to our emails. Okay, this is from... I guess it has to do with ghosts, and this is from Millie J. in Charlotte, North Carolina. Then, oh, if you would. Okay, uh, Millie writes to us. I am sure that uh, I am sure there is a ghost in my house that follows me around. I am the mother of a large family, and our house is a busy place. But my five kids have all mentioned feeling a presence. Uh, they are not scared, but I am a I am a little because it always seems to follow me where, wherever I go in the house. Uh, I have a part-time job, and it does not seem to follow me there, but in the house, I just feel a strong presence. I want to know who this is and what he wants. Uh, my friend said uh, we should try a Ouija board, but I know you advise against that. You uh, what, say that. What do I do? Okay, this is very interesting. I've heard of this before. And I would, of course, uh, you know, again, we, we don't, in these emails, receive all the information we really need. And she is in Charlotte, which is quite a distance from here, so uh, I, I really, you know, can't just jump on a plane and go down and check it out. However, when I've heard of this before, and this is where it gets really weird, ghosts that follow people around very often are, and this is really strange, unborn children whom they don't have in this world, but were born in parallel realities. Okay, try to swallow that one. All right, I, so I would ask Millie, uh, and of course this is a difficult question, because this, this has to do with the number of families who uh, have had the experience, had she ever had a miscarriage? 
was there ever an abortion? Was there, was there ever uh, any, any loss of a child in any way? Because we, I found in a number of cases that, that the, the, the ones who follow you around, or at least you feel they're following you around, uh, are unborn children whom you know you, you, you really have in another parallel uh, reality you know, because that's that's those of you who are familiar with our show know that we operate on the multiverse theory, which comes from quantum mechanics, sort of the, the fringe of uh, research in physics today, which is that uh, we don't have just one world, we have many. Uh, in which we we live uh, parallel lives, and this accounts for just about everything in the paranormal. If you really look at it, so I would I would ask that Millie, uh, have you ever lost a child in any way? I would also ask, does this feel like a child? Is there a certain presence to these things? Uh, does it feel like uh, someone else? Even if it's an adult presence, it can be a child. You don't. Uh, you you had lost in this particular realm of consciousness. Uh, that happened, I believe, in our family, and uh, I've heard many many other cases in which it has occurred. So, uh, in any case, I would say that one of the things we always ask is who else is experiencing these things, and, my, and Millie has answered that question. According to her, many of her children, uh, all her five children, have have mentioned this feeling of a presence uh, that adds some credibility to the story. Um, but again, you know, we receive these, and you know, we just don't, we don't know who's sending them. We don't know if it's true, but we we certainly try to give the benefit of the doubt when we answer the question. So, I would uh, I would pose a question again to Millie: Have you yourself ever lost a child? Let us know, and perhaps we can proceed a little bit uh, further with this. I do have to give you a disclaimer that we receive hundreds of of emails. We we just cannot follow up personally with each one. I w- we wish we could, but. It's just physically impossible. So we do try to get to as many as we can on the air and to give some personal attention, but it's not always possible, so please understand that. Okay, yeah. here's one. Well, we'd, we'd I'm never, sorry, Ben. Yeah, no, we, I was just going to say we'd never have guests otherwise because well, yeah, right, just, we'd just be doing so many emails. Yeah. What do you think about this? I don't really know. I just know don't use a Ouija board. Absolutely. Oh, my gosh, don't, no. Don't. Yeah, as a matter of fact, I'm glad you brought that up because it's always best – not to try to communicate. Now, I'm always talking about communications that we have in our own respective ways, because Ben and I are very different that way. And uh, it, for many years, I didn't want to talk about it, because for the years that I was studying for the priesthood, you could, you, heaven forbid you mention that in the seminary, you would have been out like a shot. There's a few other questions I, I'd ask, too, like what kind of a sense do you get from this, instead of just feeling a presence, well, like what kind of a presence, like unnerving? Yeah, is or, it, yeah are you comfortable with it, uncomfortable with it, what? Yeah, because then that would change the whole answer to the question. Sure. Because then you can't, just, you can't just say, oh, yeah, it's your kid that you didn't have, because... Well, plenty of people would feel very uncomfortable with that. Oh, yeah, that's true. You yeah, know. you're right. I've even encountered, there was, I'm thinking of one case in California where I encountered a, uh, a th- this very same thing, and it was a, a presence, the guy, it was a man, and he didn't lose any children. Matter of fact, he, was, he didn't even have any children, but he had this one, because there was, he was somehow living close to a parallel life where he did have a son, and this son was was trying to help him. It was very interesting. And it uh, really seemed to pan out. The guy kind of accepted, and everything really kind of worked out. So, well, I, I assume it was a, the correct interpretation. So, um, I always say, don't try to communicate. When we try, to, when we communicate, or at least when I communicate, I, I get into sort of a meditative state, and I, I don't force it. 
the first thing I look for is, is, is this really what it appears to be? Is it negative? Uh, I don't believe everything I'm told. I don't trust these things. I think that's a very healthy thing. But So if it sort of uh, gets into a position where, it, you know, I, I, I sort of have a good feeling about it or, it, you know, from the experience that I have over 40-odd years, uh, I like to think that I can tell what's what's real and what isn't. So uh, I would not try, in your position, Millie, to communicate in any way. Just I would try to answer the question, have you ever lost a child, and also consider what Ben has said as well, and we'll see if we can't take it from there. All right, here's uh, switching gears to an entirely different subject. Uh, this is from Chandler. Well, Chandler is his first name from Albany, New York. Okay, so Chandler writes to us, Hi, Paul and Ben. Uh, from many of your shows, you seem to think we are living in the end times. Uh, is this your belief? Okay, that's a good short question. And we ask you to keep them short if you're using our form. The end times. Well, that... That seems to be kind of, I don't know, I don't mean to denigrate, but at times it comes across as a kind of slogan for uh, the particularly the evangelical Christian agenda. And I don't want to seem like I'm picking on them. I, I respect anyone who has strong beliefs and knows why they believe what they believe and also respects the beliefs of others. Because there are many, many interpretations of this end times thing. And the end times usually is interpreted as the end of the world or the end of time or the end of just about everything that we know. And it um, is seemingly enshrined, at least so some Christians believe, in the book of Revelation in the New Testament. There are also uh, many different religions who have similar ideas uh, in one way or another, they'll put them in different different ways uh, about uh, there being an end to the current state of things. Everybody in this year, in 2012, is talking about the Mayan prophecy or the alleged Mayan prophecy of the end of the world as we know it in popularly this December, December 21st. As a matter of fact, we have an ongoing engagement with uh, Dierlan, a novelist and also a Mayan expert who was very often on the show over the past few years, who happens to believe that this is really a, a legitimate phenomenon that is occurring, and a lot of it's going to be astronomical or earth changes or whatever. So we have a standing engagement to spend the day together on the 21st of December, which is the day the Mayan, the Mayan long calendar ends. <laughs> we'll see what happens together. So we're going to, hopefully we'll have an end-of-the-world party or some kind of fun. And hopefully the world won't end, but if it does, hey, well, we're you know going to enjoy it. Anyway, uh, the end times have been predicted, of course, throughout history. The early Christians believed that the end times were going to come almost immediately because Jesus said, at least according to the English translations that we have, which most of which are lousy, that that um, many standing here would, will not pass away before uh, they see the coming of the Son of Man in glory. In other words, the end times, the return of Jesus Christ from the Christian perspective. So, uh, so that's been predicted since the beginning. And uh, in the year 1000, a lot of people said, aha, it's got to be a nice round figure. They, uh, they ran, a lot of people ran for the hills. A lot of uh, religious sects uh, started that uh, believed the world was going to end. And, of course, it didn't end. Now, things are always changing. Things are always ending and beginning. That's the nature of life uh, in our realm. And uh, so certainly things are going to be changing. But I know the end times, uh, you have to define what you mean by them. 
Um, and again, whether the whole thing is going to go poof, whether the human race is going to disappear, I, mean, I, I don't think it. So when we talk about that, it's very often in response to questions such as this. And uh, we do believe, and I think you may also be referring to our appearance on Coast to Coast AM uh, over a year ago, well over a year ago now, that we just don't think that there are good times coming up. And we get that impression, at least I get the impression, from when we're working on paranormal cases and we do happen to encounter what we believe are our fellow, our neighbors, I guess, from what might amount to these parallel worlds. Because your, your whole approach to the paranormal changes when you look at these parallel world theories and start operating on them and using them and uh, living by them, really, because it, it's, it's a different definition of what we think of the universe as being. So our impression is that a number of uh, negative things are going to happen. It could be something very serious, uh, possibly nuclear in its nature, and um, we think there are some tough times coming, but that's us. That's our opinion. Uh, things like that are never cast in stone. They can always be changed because all possibilities are there in the quantum universe. That's how it is. So, Ben, what do you think? I mean, are we talking about the end times here from this guy's perspective? or I wouldn't say end times because that has a lot of stigma with it. Yeah, it's got a lot of baggage. It's like saying, um, well, the end of the world's coming. Well, everyone's like, oh, blah, blah, everything's going to die, destroyed, whatever. Yeah, I mean, it could be uh, it could be something people think we, it could be good. We don't really know like what's going to happen, so we can't really say, oh, yeah, it's going to end. Or, oh no, it's going to go on. So if it does end in a different sense than just poof, disappearing, like changing of, um, well, everything, everything changing, because an end is just a new beginning. Mm-hmm. Hmm, that's well put. Yeah. If an end is a new beginning, then it wouldn't really end, would it? No, I mean, not, does anything ever really end? Things change, as they say. Yeah, I mean, like, one of the laws of physics is... Matter doesn't change. Energy doesn't change. It just, or well, energy, no, energy doesn't just disappear. It changes. So yeah, things, yeah, uh, that, that, I'm, that, I'm really that, that's the law of conservation of Newton's law of conservation of energy that can't be destroyed or or, or created, which isn't well. It's been called into question lately, but but the point is that you know at some point, um, as happens throughout the universe, uh, the astronomically observable phenomenon of, of a star. And our sun is just a star, uh, living out its life, which is, of course, in terms of billions of years, and engulfing the planets around that. I mean, that's uh, been, I think, effectively at least observed. And uh, sooner or later, it's going to happen. But supposedly, you know, we got several billion years to go before that happens. So uh, that really doesn't seem to be a plausible possibility. You know, getting hit by an asteroid or a comet. I mean, that's always possible. Uh, the thing is, we just we just don't know, and to worry about it, then we get a lot of emails from children, uh, not from, from parents whose children are very worried because you turn every time you turn on the History Channel or some other thing on cable TV, they're talking about the end of the world of the Mayan prophecy or the invasion by aliens or ancient aliens or future aliens, you name it, and uh, you know it's it's good to see the interest, I suppose, in things that are beyond our own personal problems. Well, people cash in on fear. Yeah, exactly. So it's so it's more for ratings to be like fear mongering rather You're right. than You're right. saying, "Oh, hey, everything's gonna be fine," because then people find that like, "Oh, boring. I'm not gonna watch this." Exactly. <laughs> rather than being like satisfied with watching their own doom, yeah. basically. But apparently, there are a lot of scared children out there. I remember in um, 
during the, uh, September 11th, 2001, the terrorist attacks, and you were, um, nine. what, eight or nine? I was nine. Yeah. And you asked, uh, gee, Dad, are they going to come here, meaning the terrorists? And, you know, it really broke my heart to hear you say that. And But it's a legitimate question from a young mind. You know, is is this going to... And I said, you know, and we live in Woonsocket, Rhode Island, and I said, well, I don't think anybody's going to bother. You know, we got, you know, we, we can, as financially lately, you can, and politically, you can see lately we've kind of done ourselves in, that we don't need any terrorists. But anyway, um, so the, but, but children have these fears. And when they hear the end of the world and all this, naturally they're going to be afraid. So, well, I, mean, I just I'll say again what I, I tell parents and what we tell ourselves, and that's just be doing day-to-day what you're supposed to be doing. Fulfill your responsibilities, love your family, love God, and that's how I want to be found, should anything indeed change to the point where it's going to affect our lives that way. Others believe that whatever change is coming, if any, is going to be very positive. Uh, sort of the discovery or rediscovery of the human consciousness, an expansion of consciousness to embrace uh, alien races or spiritual growth or whatever you want to call it. These things are interesting. But, you know, it, this is a sort of a religious question, and people ask, what's that got to do with the paranormal? It has everything to do with the paranormal. Uh, religion, in a way, is, or I should say the paranormal is the father or the mother of religion. It's also the mother or the father of science. Because had there been no ancient mysteries that our remote ancestors ran into, they might not have developed religions or paranormal thought or whatever in response to those mysteries. So you can say that. Uh, Here are a few statistics that I think are very interesting. Probably doesn't have much to do with what we're talking about. But when it comes to religion, um, Christianity is the largest religion. This is from the United Nations statistics. 2.1 billion adherents. In the, well, the Christianity, of course, is in a zillion different forms, but it's nevertheless uh, the basic people who worship and honor Jesus Christ. Uh, Islam or Mohammedanism is the is is the second largest and growing, uh, with 1.5 billion. So you're looking at maybe think, uh, is that a five? I think it's a three. This says five. 1.5. Oh, maybe it's because I'm. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, well, you're, well, you're reading it from across the room and backwards. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know. Five's looking like three. Give me a little credit. Okay. All right. So 1.5. So it's only about you know 600,000 people behind Christianity at this point. And then, uh, interestingly, number three is secular, non-religious, agnostic, or atheist. 1.1 billion. That's a frightening number. Mm. Now, but of course, because uh, I don't believe in atheists. I think they're ridiculous, and I don't think there are any such things. I very often ask an atheist what, what God they don't believe in. Because I think you have to intelligently disbelieve just as much as you should intelligently believe. And they'll describe some goofy thing that I don't believe in either. Or very often they'll say, you know, uh, oh, no supreme being of any kind whatsoever, which of course is, 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 is totally illogical and doesn't match the fact. Um, but this also includes people who don't know, people who don't care, people who don't, I guess, don't belong to any, or don't associate themselves with any particular religion. So that's 1.1 billion. Hinduism is next with 900 million. Uh, Chinese traditional religion, 394 million. Buddhism, 376 million. I thought it was bigger than that. No, it's um, not that big at all. And primal indigenous, th- this would be, I guess, some of the ones that we, we're not too nice to w- when we talk about the British Museum. Uh, strange little gods and kind of non-positive, non-loving kind of backyard religions that we don't particularly like. There's 300 million. 
African traditional and diasporic 100 million. Sikhism, I think that would probably include uh, voodoo and things like that. And number 10 is, I believe it's pronounced Yuche, which is, oddly enough, the uh, J-U-C-H-E, the socio-political philosophy of North Korea, which is a very weird place. The... The Kim family, which is the ruling family, the founder of the country, and then his son, who was president, who just died, and then his his grandson now, are sort of god kings. So officially, so Yuche is considered by the rest of the world to be effectively a religion. People have to bow to their portraits three times. I mean, he called it. This isn't this isn't even anything near communism. It's supposed to be a communist country. Well, that's like the that, that's like their country traditional um, religion. I mean, I remember studying. Like taking a, like an Eastern civilizations course in college, and um, I remember my teacher who was from China. He was saying that the Eastern like countries have a really weird tradition of mixing like a lot of thi- like religions together and making these really odd like folk religions. Yeah, this Yuche was it was based. They took a lot of Christian principles and incorporated it into that. That's weird. You'd think it would be like, um, what's it called, Confucianism. Yeah. But that has a lot to do with most um, uh, most of the Eastern countries. Yeah. Well, anyway, th- this th- that's that's interesting because it lists 22 different religions, many of which are Eastern. But the point being, when we're talking about these end times, you have to consider the fact not everybody is a fundamentalist Christian who believes in the, the end of the world. There are many, many different cultural beliefs. And if there's anything I've found in many, many years of studies and, and spiritual, um, I hope, development, is that God takes you where you are. Don't impose your own beliefs on God. Don't make him after your own image. God is bigger than all that. So again, when you think of these things, just, just consider that. Okay. Uh, why don't we do our break? Okay. Okay. So we'll be and right back with Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. So stick with us. Hi, I'm Connie Lamond, inviting you to listen to Say La Vie, That's Life, with short stories about local people. Could be your neighbor, your relative. Tune in on Fridays at 9.05 a.m. and Saturdays at 8 a.m. I'll let you guess who the person is. Owen Radio, Owen Worldwide. And we wanted to just remind you about Amazon Kindle. Amazon Kindle is a marvelous electronic reading device. And it saves you all kinds of money and trips to the bookstore and simply buying physical books. A lot of people are living in houses and apartments that aren't so big anymore. You know, the, the size has kind of uh, been the shrinking in the trend of housing lately. And uh, a lot of people don't have room for the, the books that they used to. And certainly uh, one doesn't want to pay all this crazy money for gasoline to be going to the bookstore. So Kindle allows you to download literally books and magazines, newspapers, and all sorts of other things, games, uh, to your, uh, right to your fingertips, literally. Uh, there is the basic Kindle for $79, which of course is, uh, basically a reader. And then of course all the way up to $199 for the Kindle, uh, Fire, which is the newest edition of this, uh, this marvelous device. And you can get uh, full color games, movies, apps, uh, all sorts of marvelous things, and it's a, a very cheap price. Great, great gift for any occasion. And, uh, certainly, as I always say, you can get 
my books, uh, Faces at the Window, Footsteps in the Attic, uh, Turning Home, God, Ghosts, and Human Destiny, and uh, for those of you in the Rhode Island area or anybody else interested in our, the history of this interesting, fascinating little state, uh, Rhode Island, A Genial History, which I co-authored with Glenn Laxton, formerly of Channel 12, a marvelous fellow and great historian. And uh, check it all out, Amazon Kindle. Okay. So welcome back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on WON 1240 AM and ONWorldwide.com in New England's beautiful Blackstone River Valley. We're having an open line show this evening, and we're continuing with emails on many, many questions. And, uh, okay. And uh, <clears throat> we uh, remind you of our call in um, numbers here, too. Uh, locally, 401 766 1240. And also, you can use that from Canada. Anywhere in the USA, 800 449 1240. If you have a question or want to respond to any of our responses to our many emails, which we never seem to catch up on. And I'll just say one more time, we receive hundreds of these emails, and we just cannot respond personally to each one. We try to deal with them on the air like this, uh, and we very often will ask people to respond, uh, to answer, uh, give us further information about some of these these situations. But we are at a distance and uh, do the best we can. So please understand if we don't get to your email uh, either on the air or personally, we just we just don't have the resources sometimes. Okay, now we have uh, this is one. This is a question about aliens. Yeah, oh, we have a caller. Okay, well let's uh, take the caller then. Good evening, gentlemen. Good evening. You're on the mm-hmm. air uh, behind the paranormal. How you doing? Uh, I'm fine. All right, this is Scott from Uxbridge. We've talked a few times. Okay. And here's a question. I actually wanted to talk to Ben about this because he's a little younger. Sure. Yeah, a little, okay. a little bit younger. Yeah. Yeah, only a little bit. Now, he, here's. Let me, if I can, just make my point. All right. Now, I live in the woods, and as I speak to you, I'm looking at a tree, and its big trunk has a bunch of green stuff on it. Okay. How many Ben? How many of your classmates, if they looked at that, they came over my house, and they looked at this green stuff on my tree, would be able to say what it was? You know, is it moss? You know, or do they know it's lichen? And the question I'm asking is, because of cell phones and Twitter and things like that, are people getting away from nature, especially people your age? Oh, yeah, I totally agree with that. I mean, we are living in the age of texting and the Internet and all that stuff. I mean, I remember growing up and... I honestly can't think of a time without the internet, except I we had dial-up back in the day with AOL, and oh, those were the days. Those were the days. But um, no, I I honestly don't think most people I know that I've I've gone to like school with would probably know what that is. I mean, my girlfriend's not a nature person, and she like doesn't like nature because every time she goes out, she gets like attacked by bugs or something, or horrible things happen. But um, I do have some some friends who are really into nature. I have another. I have one friend who's trying to start a community garden garden in his neighborhood, and but most of us we don't really get out into nature that often. Like I I have like weird friends who like love nature. Like I do. Like I love I love nature, but most everybody else I talk to is just fine with like going out and like going to clubs and stuff like that. But I'm not really into that scene myself. Yeah, or sitting down doing your, you know, like gaming online and that stuff. And 
I, I guess here's the point of asking, I'm really trying to ask the two of both of you, because of, like, Twittering and things like that, you know, is it retarding people's ability to see ghosts and be into the paranormal because they're going, oh, well, that's just a bunch of crap. I mean, I see that on the Sci-Fi Network every night with these movies. Oh, you know, yeah. They- yeah, I think you're really you're really correct about that, Scott. The busier we are, and what we're busy with is maintaining and living in our completely artificial environments, separated from nature. Uh, I don't know. It's I think it's best expressed when I was growing up in the fifties and sixties that uh, it was like uh, triumph over nature was something to be admired. You know, even the old Disney uh, I don't know documentaries about lumberjacks or something. You know, oh, that was, here comes a giant of the woods falling to make ten houses, and all that. You, know, you look at it today, and it's absolutely hideous. You know, and, and you can see why the planet's in the state that it's in. But then again, today we have all sorts of environmentalists. And people who were just as cut off from nature as anybody else. Oh yeah, like um, oh, you have where, to get out, you know. Well, and, where and, where was it? It was like uh, not too far from here, like a few years back when there was like a beached seal or something, and it was like shivering when they do that because seals do that, and so they can keep their bodies warm and all that. And so this woman comes over with a towel and starts wiping it down, and all the like a park ranger came over, like, "What are you doing?" And she was like, oh, it was cold. And she's like, no, they just do that. Like, Well, this is here in Rhode Island. Yeah, I remember that. That was down around Newport. Yeah. And somewhere, or Beavertail in Jamestown. And one guy actually picked up one of the seals, put it in his car to warm it up. I mean, the seals shiver. They're not uncomfortable. They just do that to keep the circulation. And it's a ter- perfectly, see, people, you're right. People don't know anything. And especially about nature. And, and, and your, your paranormal question, yeah. Uh, people, are separated from nature, therefore they are separated from, I suppose, the Everything spirit else. of the biosphere, if you want to call it that. Well, Taoists say that too. I mean, yeah. in, like the Taoist creation story, which I often cite, basically says we are the way we are because we separated ourselves from wh- where we should naturally be. I go out and there's a place, and I sometimes talk about it on the air, On uh, our, our, we have a small piece of property, and I go out in the corner and I will um, just sit there I try to do this once a week and just meditate and be quiet and just be part of it all. And it's quite an experience because animals come up and they, they look at you. I call the, 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 the I, I know all, I know every skunk, every fox, yeah. <laughs> every cat, you know. And right. This is an important part of being human. And I think we, we have the lemming syndrome, like, you know, we kill each other, we, you know, we're miserable, we don't know where, what we're supposed to be doing or who we are, where we belong, because we're separated from our natural environment. All you have to do is go out and walk once a day, and it'll help. Mm. Now, let me ask you guys this question, all right? Because you, you, you seem to be very intelligent men. And I'll give you an example and see if this relates to either one of you. Okay, I sit out here in my garage every evening, as I'm doing right now, and insects walk around. And one thing I notice, for instance, a spider will be walking around the side of my car, like within a foot of me. And when I look over at the spider, it freezes. But as soon as I say, hi, my name's Scott, you're an amazing individual. You can do something I cannot do. And I just sit there. All of a sudden, it'll go like, okay, that's cool. It'll just keep on walking. 
I think there's something about the human voice. It may not understand what I'm saying, but it understands, oh, you're not going to hurt me. Okay, that's good. Yeah, yeah. Well, there is a certain shared consciousness. I, yeah. I do what yeah. you, I do that to all the animals who come up when I'm sitting out there because they sometimes cats will come and sit with me or, or the, and the skunks particularly. Skunks are very. And didn't we talk about this before? I yes, think we have. Nicole, uh, I, I'm I a real skunk fan. That. I guess they're just they're very nice animals, but they know when you mean no harm, and uh, they're not afraid. And, and the, there's a, there's a fox who's been around lately too. Uh, who, who comes up and and they just it's an it's an entirely natural environment and I, I think I mentioned last time you called about our old house. Ben was uh, when Ben was born we lived in Cumberland Rhode Island in the the woods in a, in a funny little house that I essentially had built myself looked it and uh, we had a community of of uh, the the family and uh, eight or nine cats possums. Skunks, raccoon, you know, and uh, there weren't there were pheasants and all sorts of things. We we never had a flea. We never had disease of any kind. Of course, the cats were well taken care of by the veterinarian. Shots every year, but it was a, a, almost an Eden-like environment, and uh, that I think that's the way it's supposed to be. Yeah, I, I hear exactly what you're saying. Um, very quickly, last summer there was a wasp nest being built in my backyard, very close to the, the, the back window. And my dad was like, oh, we should, you know, we should spray it and stuff like that. I said, no, 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 we're not going to spray it. We're not, I, I'm not going to kill an entire community of insects. There's no reason to. Mm-hmm. They're, just, they're just a family. So last summer, within 20 feet of that, and it got really big because I just said, dad, we're not killing them. We're not going to kill these insects. There's no reason to. They're not hurting anyone. So my father and my two sisters and I were out within, say, 20 or 30 feet away from that big hornet's nest hanging on a tree. We were doing some brickwork. Not one single wasp ever came near us. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, that was understood. It's like, oh. Maybe maybe they understood. Him. That's the guy that doesn't want us to, to die, so we're not going to hurt him. Mm-hmm. You know that kind of thing. I mean, I may be going overboard by saying that, but I will tell you this: that a few months later we had a conversation, and I, I said to my sister Donna, I said, "You notice that when we were working on the brickwork, not a single one of those wasps came near us." Yeah. And she she stopped and she said, "Oh, you're right. They didn't." Mm-hmm. Well, theologically, the Garden of Eden never ended. And we just have to rediscover it. Yeah, uh, it's it's an inter- it's interesting, really. I mean, we we I actually I like that whole concept of um, having a shared consciousness with things because I do that with a lot of with a lot of different things. Yeah, it becomes a way of life. Indeed. It does. Yeah. Indeed. Well, thank you, Scott. It's always a pleasure. All right. Thanks. Okay. Oh, good night. Hey, yeah. Uh, can I have one one last thought? Sure. Sure. Go for it. I want to get your take on. You know, these shows of, like, ghost hunters and things like that, like on the Sci-Fi Network, why are they always being filmed in green? I uh, think you know what I'm talking about. It seems mm-hmm. to me to be very felonious. I'm sorry, uh, well, well, I didn't quite get the last... In, uh, I think he's talking about infrared. Oh, infrared. infrared. Yeah, well, well, would you restate the last part of the question? No, that's okay. When you watch, like, Ghost Hunters International or yeah, whatever... Yeah. 
any of these shows, they're always filming everything in a green. Oh. Like, everything's green. And, and to me, that seems very felonious. It yeah. seems like, well, this is really fake. I, I wonder what Ben and, and, you know, his dad thinks. Well, we we have a very low opinion of okay. that entire approach. Yeah. Anyway, uh, we don't. People, I often cite that the O six conference I yeah. spoke at in Tampa, Florida, with against my better judgment, where there were there were beginning ghost hunters who wanted to learn how to do it, and uh, they asked me one word of advice. I said, "Don't, don't do it. You, you have no idea the seriousness of what you're doing." What you could be running into, what you could be bringing home, what you you know, you just you, you shouldn't, you know, if you want, you're interested in it, read, read books. Of course, most books are written by other people who don't know what they're doing. But uh, your, your point is uh, is well taken. The infrared thing is uh, essentially it's uh, well, they're FLIR cameras and things that, that are essentially engineers' tools or contractors' tools for telling where heat is escaping from your house. They read heat signatures. And supposedly well, that's something that's supposed to tell you where ghosts are, and then that's highly debatable in my book. But but I guess what I was trying. But why is it all in green? Is that well, that's that's night vision. Military, yeah, that's military technology. It's night vision, and when you're uh, like, well, I was in the military for some, some time, and you, the night vision goggles at the time everything comes out green. I, I think okay. today they may have improved it, but you know, it's it's that that's what that is. Because so in other words, if, if they had ordinary camera, you wouldn't be able to see anything because it would be all dark, or they'd have to turn on lights. Because green is the opposite of magenta, actually. Yeah, effectively, yeah. But but yeah, that's what that is from from a technical from a technical standpoint, and from a from the standpoint of proper research or proper approach, I think it's nonsense. See what what they what they're doing is. Sweating and straining to make square pegs fit round holes. They're taking something that's outside of science, sort of, sort of the, the definition of the universe and of what reality really is. And science is not up to defining that. Its laws don't account for anything but matter and the interaction with other matter. And and it's it's totally inadequate for even a pro. It's like it's like trying to take a donut recipe. And explaining the flow of a stream or a river with it. I mean, it's, it's totally irrelevant. <laughs> yeah, okay, I'll let you go. But my last point is that I, I've i always felt that when they film everything, you know, when you're watching it on TV, it's green. Yeah. Ooh, that's spooky. Well, yeah, that's probably... You know, we've dealt with a lot of producers, and there are several I, I've refused to deal with because they, they wanted to dramatize, over-dramatize or anything like that. They'll all say they don't fake things, but we have evidence to the contrary. No doubt. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well. Okay. So, well, thank you, Scott. Thank you. All right. Okay. All right. Talk Have a nice night. You okay. Too. All right. Okay. Now here's a, another email. This is an entirely different subject. This is about aliens, and this is from G. Duncan in Boston. Had to save the pen there. All right. Hi, Paul and Ben. I really love your show. I recently heard you say that uh, Paul uh, re- that Paul and Bud Hopkins once sat down and uh, compared photographs. And that there were that they that you found an amazing likeness between his photos of the injuries to abduction victims and the ones to poltergeist victims. Uh, could these be related? Could aliens actually be demons or parasites? In parentheses, and vice versa. Yeah, well, we've often speculated on this, and and the answer is yes. There's always a possibility of that. When you look back at the history, and and Ben is into um, knows about shamanism and stuff. When you look back into the history of human 
spirituality and beyond that, human experiences in general with the paranormal or, or with uh, the, I don't know, the, the spiritual realm or other worlds or however you want to describe it, the same sorts of critters seem to crop up. In shaman experiences, particularly from South America, they'll talk about weird little guys with almond-shaped eyes and gray color and who perform operations on people to make you a shaman. And some of them is really gruesome. And apparently not really great when it comes to anesthesiology either. Yeah. There's that. What have you, what, what, what is, uh, your mentor told you? Your, your mentor is an Aztec shaman, full-blooded. What, what is, he told you about any, any of these processes that might involve these grays or has he? Maybe that's not. No, I don't recall him ever mentioning something to that effect. Yeah. I mean, I never really asked either, so it's probably one of those things like, well, you didn't ask. So, uh, well, that's, <laughs> so. But in the abduction phenomenon, similar things seem to happen, and uh, although to ordinary people who are, you know, you know, bank executives and people who apparently have no intention of becoming shamans, have reported similar experiences. And of course, Bud Hopkins uh, was probably the best known expert on uh, alien abductions, uh, who he recently passed away a few years ago, and uh, we didn't know him as well as we liked, but he had lots of information assembled over decades and was considered a serious expert in this. And uh, what he showed me was an album of photographs. We were speaking together at the same convention, and I said, my gosh, Bud, this is, um, these injuries to these people, the scoop marks, bruises, this kind of thing, see this in poltergeist cases. So the question started to arise in my mind is, um, is the phenomenon the same, only we interpret it with different terms and in different contexts because of, of the, way, the way we experience it. Mm. When something you know, wakes you up and takes you out of your bed and puts you in what looks like a spaceship, obviously alien abduction, but when something comes into your room and tears your covers off and throws you across the room, aha, maybe a poltergeist phenomenon. This has actually happened. Well, it all has to do with context, really. Yeah, I think it might. So, yeah, the folklore that has assembled around this, because how do we explain things we don't understand? We use images and metaphors and things that we generally can accept. So we think, aha, evil spirits, demons, and they very often fill the bill that way. When I, you know, I've encountered in exorcisms and, and over the over my many years involved in this, in poltergeist cases, what certainly would qualify as demonic entities, but the, their theology just did not seem to be the same as ours. They seemed to be alien creatures who just were trying to feed upon our energy. Uh, that's how they apparently ate. So that's the way I interpret those things. And uh, yes, uh, just a long answer to a short question, I think that's very possible that what we interpret as demonic entities or evil creatures or whatever, I mean, could very well be a these aliens. Yeah, the question is, what are aliens? Are they from other planets? Well, are they flying it's, in space? It's like some... It, you can say you can say that, but alien is just something that's different, really. That's true, yes. I mean, the word alien has such baggage with it that everyone thinks, oh, little green men from outer space, yeah. they come around flying saucers. and Our language gets in the way. Yeah, that's 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 what I'm trying to say, basically. Because um, there was there, there's an unsubstantiated claim by one of the guys that ended up working for NASA. I know I've told this story a few times. And he w- came over after Project Paperclip, and he was talking about how... Um, he came up with like an anti-gravity device or something like that or self-propelled flight or whatever and he was like oh yeah i got it from aliens 
And it's like, and everyone was like, oh, that's just bovine fecal matter because he's like, yeah, aliens don't exist. Well, it's like, well, not really specific, is he? Because the Nazis had the whole thing with the Thuler cult and all that. But then, like, um, oh, what's his name? Uh, Mac Maloney, I think we had on. Mm, yes. I talked about, I talk, I asked him about that, and he was like, oh, yeah, people just like to give uh, the Nazis more uh, things to talk about or whatever. It's like, if you talk about that, you're keeping their name alive. I was like, well, I don't know. I just think it's a legitimate question. Mm. It's like nothing against him because he's a good guy. But oh, still. he was a great guest, yeah. Yeah. He was in the studio a few weeks ago. After trailing off that, the whole point is the word alien could mean something entirely different. Yeah. That, that's the thing. Uh, now, Stan Friedman, we've had him on the show a lot. He's he's a nuts and bolts kind of guy. He believes aliens are from other planets, and uh, he's ex- he's open to the multiverse idea. But uh, I think that that taken to its in, in its in its full uh, effect, I suppose, w- would essentially say that aliens could be from other uh, parallel worlds and uh, other versions of Earth. Uh, when we've gotten into the Rendlesham case, many of the uh, one of the eyewitnesses is convinced these were time travelers. They weren't from other planets at all. They were our distant descendants who are coming back to do these medical procedures because they, they need to, to uh, uh, revivify, revivify their own DNA. I mean, they're also I mean, we really just don't know. So, but I think certainly uh, the the evil aspects of some of these uh, creatures do do seem to um, uh, prompt a yes to that last question. Anyway, okay, uh, this is too long to get into. Let's look at this one. This is from Joey, uh, I won't give his last name, in Munhall, Pennsylvania. Listen to us Sounds on like the great WISY in oh, Pittsburgh. Oh, Mudhall, Pennsylvania. No, it's no Mudhall. No, it's outside Mudhall. Pittsburgh, anyway, I think. So, hi, guys. Uh, love the show. I understand... Uh, what you're saying about parallel worlds and us being in many of them with many different bodies. But I don't think we should uh, dismiss the idea of spirits. For example, where is our essence or soul in between uh, the time this body dies and we wake up another one in the uh, path of least resistance world uh, we go to? Okay, I, I think I can <laughs> maybe explain that a little a little uh, bit. I think what... what uh, Joey is asking here is uh, we're always s- stressing the physicality of these different worlds. Now, I think uh, perhaps in doing that, we should consider, maybe I overstress it, we should consider the idea that in quantum mechanics, if you believe in the multiple worlds theory of, of quantum mechanics, and if you interpret it the way we do, all things are that we can conceive of do exist somewhere or somewhere. Uh, Halloween, we often use the, the great joke about the great pumpkin, but unless su- such a creature existed somewhere or somewhere in the multiverse, Charles Schultz, mm. the author of the Peanuts cartoons, uh, lately in Well, there's a lot of other questions I'd add that need to be asked before we can answer that question. Yeah, well, that's because true. Because what so, is the soul? Where is it? Where is it? What is it? And, uh, in, in, and I've actually witnessed this process occurring in certain cases. It seems to me that most of us at least immediately translate when we die in this life into the uh, the, the path of least resistance because that's what happens in nature where we already are and, and th- that's the key thing here there doesn't seem to be a transition period because there doesn't need to be because we are already existing in all these parallel lives and it's all us and they already exist in our subconscious 
and there, that's the conscious, and we exist in the sum. It's really a rather elegant uh, system, seemingly. So I don't think there really is a transition period. On the other hand, and, and, and when I have witnessed, on rare occasions, I've sort of considered it a privilege. I often talk about the guy, uh, I was in an attic in Yonkers, New York, because the people were complaining about a ghost, and I was in touch with this guy who was afraid of me because he thought I was a ghost, but he says he was in a church in Virginia, and was experiencing, and his memory changed as we spoke, but there didn't seem to be any spirit transition period. Now, on the other hand, you have millions of people and mediums and psychics who do seem to experience spirits. Our problem with that is that I don't think you can be a whole being with all your memories and everything if you don't have your body, because your body is an intimate part of you. You know what I think is always really funny? When um, some ghost hunting groups they throw down like baking powder like, yeah. uh, like on on like uh, saw that the main. surface yeah like they throw it on baking powder and they're like oh the spirit's walking it's like how can it walk uh, if, yeah. it's, if it's not a physical thing and, and, and yeah and how can you get the electronic voice phenomena recordings of so-called spirit voices if they have no vocal cords i mean people don't stop to think of these things why do they wear clothes why did i stand there with those six other seminary students and hear that that ox card go by 20 feet away and not see it yeah, yeah, I mean, if it was a physical thing, why yeah. would it make sounds? Yeah, the old, the old idea, the, the, the yeah, spirit idea isn't good enough. That's what we've been saying. So, uh, however, I think that there are, there are worlds where there are equivalents to that, but I think it's kind of rare. Um, I still say when you're seeing the, the, the garden variety ghost, you're seeing someone going about their life in a parallel reality with, with a, a curtain or a veil in between the two realities that, that lately have been getting thinner because of the electromagnetics going on in the local astronomical neighborhood. So anyway, that's a kind of a lot to chew. But uh, so uh, just to answer uh, Joey's question, I don't think I, I've never seen. There could be uh, such states. Uh, there, there must be because we can conceive of them. But I have rarely, if ever, seen it. I usually see immediate translation to a life you're already living in, a, in, a, in the closest parallel uh, reality. So that's uh, that's what I would say. Ben, do you have any more comment on that? I don't know. You no, let's, operate let's, in different circles. Well, let's move on to the next email because we don't really have too much okay, time. Okay, we don't enough. have much time. Um, is it a short, I, I think I'll, well, is let's it a short see. one? Yeah, let's, here's a... Yeah, <laughs> well, it's okay. like three pages long, so yeah. No, no, well, here's a real short one anyway. Uh, this is from, oh dear, but it's a long answer. We'll, we'll, we'll introduce this one and deal with it because we got a couple of online shows coming up. This is um, from Roberta M. in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Okay, so Roberta writes to us. Hello, Paul and Ben. I usually usually enjoy your show until Paul gets into the subject of religion. While much of what you say is very interesting and you point out many things in history that I never knew, I don't like it when you attack the roots of Christianity in St. Paul. When you attack St. Paul, you attack all Christians. Uh, you You would never know you attended seminary. If I hadn't checked out your background, I would doubt that you had it. <laughs> well, we seem to have an FBI agent here. Now, my seminary background is a matter of, of, of record. Uh, three seminaries I attended, two graduated from two, and uh, was one year from ordination when they had enough of me in my paranormal studies, and out I went. But in any case, uh, I don't, I, I, there's no way I'm going to be able to answer this here, but we'll introduce the question. And uh, suffice to say, I do not attack... Christianity. I do not attack St. Paul. 
I you questioned the current interpretation. Yeah. Questioning and attacking is like a two different things. It's like it's like listening to Fox News. The, 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 the last, well, and the last thing I'll say on that is that it was in the Roman Catholic Church that I, that I learned to love God. Therefore, I will always respect that church and Christianity. I just have a little bit different interpretation than a lot of them do, and so did the early Christians. So we'll get into that in our next show because it's a, it's a loaded question and a big one. Okay, so Create thank you for everyone who uh, for you know. Thank you for Scott for calling in, and uh, everyone who wrote uh, today. So let's. Um, I guess we got well, how long we got now? Uh, we got about three minutes. Okay. Okay, so my dad and I have several uh, public appearances coming up with our presentation, exploring the paranormal, with CBS Radio's Paul and Ben Eno in Torrington, Connecticut, on Thursday, July nineteenth. Woodbridge, Suffolk, England, on Saturday, September 22nd, and Warwick, Rhode Island, Sunday, October 28th. So watch BehindTheParanormal.com for more details. Yeah, and we'll give you details on the air, too, as those events approach. Uh, you can also contact us uh, through BehindTheParanormal.com. That's our main show website. Uh, there are links to our other website, NewEnglandGhosts.com, with lots of articles about the things we talk about on the show. Uh, Behind the Paranormal has guest information, upcoming, the past, future, and over 400 podcast, nearly 400 podcasts that are all free, and you can do whatever you want with them, just don't edit them. You can also buy my books and subscribe to our newsletter, or you can become a reporter at the site. Uh, the newsletter this month, by the way, is a little late. Do apologize for that. I do put it together myself. I don't trust anybody else to do it, so uh, it Thanks, does Dad. tend to let well, you. Well, you don't know the software. Yeah. Although, you know, okay, we'll go. You just, you just volunteered, so yep. I'm going to hold you to that. Okay. Okay, great. I appreciate that. All right, so don't forget, we have nearly 400 free podcasts of all our shows available at www.behindtheparanormal.com. So I want to thank uh, our producer, of course, Ben himself, who's been uh, our engineer, really, for the past several months, now doing a fine job. And we will see you next Monday, July 2nd, right here on WON, 1240 AM and com. when Ben and I will present another in our series on extreme paranormal reports, something we haven't done in a while and something that seems to uh, really pique the interest of the audience. Uh, cause quite a stir, if you will. Yeah, just, just when you think you've heard everything, it gets weirder. So, on our regular CBS Radio Edition, on Sunday, July 1st, in Boston, Pittsburgh, Detroit, and Seattle... We'll continue with where we left off tonight on our open line show. So then we can get rid of, get to that bombshell question there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we leave you this evening with a quote from the great Roman philosopher and statesman Seneca. Quote, begin at once to live and count each separate day as a separate life. Indeed. We should definitely... That, that should have been used on the question about um, the end of days... Yeah. That that, yeah. Would, that definitely would have answered the question a lot quicker. Hmm. <laughs> Probably. I tend to get loquacious. All right. But, um, no, it's true. Uh, you know, the, the idea of separate lives that are not separate lives, you know. Uh, anyway, uh, Seneca, of course, being a great uh, great philosopher, we I had to translate this, actually, in the seminary. I had to translate it from Latin, so I kind of got to know the guy. Okay. So thanks for staying with us on our great cosmic journey, and we will see you next time. Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.